It's good. We're eat up with Jesus here at 1910 Church. We long for more of his presence. For those of you that are dialing in and watching us probably from the coast somewhere, some exotic location like Bulverde, thank you for, uh, for tuning in. And for those of you that are in the house today, happy Labor Day. Take, take tomorrow off if you need to, okay, and just kind of rest. And Somebody sent me a text message this morning and said, oh, man, so sorry you have to labor on Labor Day. I said, what? This ain't labor. This is a get-to. I get to do this three times today. It is awesome. You kidding me? Passionate about it. Eat up with this. Ain't no labor. This is rejuvenating. Sitting in meetings is labor, but this... This is fun. Tommy, Jennifer, welcome back. Glad you guys are here. Man, welcome home. The My Best Boxes are still back there at the back, too, for your offering when you leave here today. Just kidding. Glad you guys are here. They've been missionaries in Arizona, and uh, they're in Austin now, but we're glad you guys are back in the great nation of Texas. Come on. Can I get a holler? Amen. Hey, we're going to continue in this series today entitled Relentless This word relentless is our word for the year here at 1910 Church. I normally unveil this at at an event we call Vision Day. Uh, Vision Day is coming up on September the 16th. You saw in the announcement that evening, we're going to be releasing our new worship album. But that morning, I want to encourage you to come as our staff gets to share with you what we believe are some incredible directional moves, missional moves that God has for this church over the next 12 months. At Vision Day, I normally unveil this word for the year. But I'm so excited about it that I kind of did it a little early, and we're preaching to it so that when the September the 16th comes up, we're like, oh, man, that's old. Come on, let's go. Give us something new. This word relentless, it's unwavering. It's consistent. When you're relentless, you're nonstop. You, you, you don't give up. Relentless people always get what they're after, right? And we're going to be relentless this year at 1910 Church because here's the reality of it. We have a God that relentlessly pursues us. You know that God's love for you is relentless. It doesn't give up. It's unwavering. It's nonstop. Even when you don't love him, guess what God does? He loves you, right? Because his love is relentless. And just be, we just believe that since we are, have received a, a relentless love from God, that, that we ought to not only take that in, but more importantly, we ought to be relentless in sharing his love with other people. Last week, we unpacked this idea of, of, of something that you can expect around here for the next 12 months is that we're going to be relentless in giving you spiritual growth opportunities. We're, we're going to present things um, to you all throughout the year. That there are opportunities for you to go to the next level in your relationship with the Lord. I, I pray that, that, that our attitude would be that of Paul's that we looked at last week. Not that I have already obtained all of these things or achieved it, but Paul says, I what on I press on, right? There's always for Paul another level to go. Listen, I pray that we're not a church that feels like, hey, we already have enough of God, that, that we already know enough of him or we already have enough of his presence or fullness. Listen, now, now we, we want a continual filling, amen? We want to continually grow and go towards the Father. And so you need to know through things like our groups that we offer. In fact, I want to encourage you today that many of you last week were were looking for groups and we've got some locations at Connections or the groups wall right here. You can stop across the way at at, 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 uh, where all the boxes are set up. There are people there wearing Better Together t-shirts. They would love to help you find a group and, and get connected there. But you need to know that groups just as we heard the hill and our kids minister. I mean, listen, we're going to give you opportunities this year to grow spiritually, but you're going to have to want to. 
you're going to have to have some want to, okay? And so, uh, but we want to encourage you with that. Now, I want to I continue in that same uh, thought of, of something else relentless that you can expect from this house over the next 12 months, and, and it's in this area of, of, of community in, in involvement, community involvement. Next Sunday kind of marks our 12-year anniversary as a church. Um, uh, we, we started on September the 10th of, of 2006. I know that next Sunday is like the 9th, I believe, or something like that, but, uh, but it, we're celebrating 12 years as a church, and and, and, and when God called, called me to, to this, I, I, I'll never forget what I heard him say. I heard him say, hey, don't go to start a church. Go to serve a city. There, 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 there's a difference there, right? Uh, and I didn't feel like that Bernie just needed another church. But more importantly, I felt like God was calling us to, to, to be a blessing to, to our city. And, and for those of you that have been around this this thing called 1910 for any amount of time, I see Curtis Wheeler over here and, and I hug Curtis as he came in. I used to hug Curtis in those early days and he was a sweaty mess. He was wearing a, a t-shirt that would be just drenched in sweat because he'd been setting up at schools getting ready for, for worship or kids ministry or whatever. But he smelled clean and he was dry today. It was awesome to see him. But Curtis, you, you and Deb, you guys will remember that, that for, for, for 12 years, this church has always seen ourselves as a, a church for the city. We've done things like jump in on the town square. We did a thing called the Summer of Love early on in which I drove in a VW van and passed out bottles of water and Gatorade and, and popsicles to people that were out and about in our community. We, we did something around here one Sunday called the Big Give in which I called people forward at the end of the service that were ready to, to go out and live for Jesus in our city and live for him in radical ways. And, and while their heads were bowed and while I was praying over them, our elders snuck up behind them and started slipping $100 bills in their hands. You see, if you come forward at 1910 Church to the altar, we pay you. <laughs> no, that's not what that was about. But what we did, Randy Graybill, and you were there because I know you took $100 of ours. We took 100, we passed out about $15,000 in two weeks. And we put it in the hands of our people, say, hey, listen, won't you take this? This is a seed, and I want you to go advance the kingdom of God in some radical way. In fact, Randy Graybill, I'll never forget it. Randy Graybill, I got a call about you on, on, on Monday morning, about 7.30 in the morning. A guy from our church says, hey, hey Randy Graybill, there's a guy standing in, in a suit out on I-10. I said, oh, no. He said, he's holding up a sign, just says, smile, God loves you, or something like that, or you, know, you look good, or your hair looks fantastic. I don't remember what your sign said that day. Somebody else took $100 and challenged 100 of our other friends. Said, hey, listen, I'm going to plan $100. Anybody else want to join me? And, and that became seed money, $10,000 for the women's shelter here in Bernie. Never forget a young boy. A young boy took a $100 bill, and, and he encouraged some of his family and friends and neighbors, and, and he raised enough money to send another local pastor and his wife on a vacation that was long overdue. We've done things like that in our community, Right? Um, and never forget going to our, our mayor a few years ago and say, hey, listen, what is something in our city that you've always wanted to do, but you don't have the human or the financial resources to do it? And whenever you think of that, I want you to let us know what that is. I want us to be a part of that. See, we're a church for the city. We, 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 we understand that we weren't called just to start a church, but we were called to bless a city. Community involvement has been in our DNA from the very beginning. I'll never forget in 2008 when the economy tanked, when your 401k became a 101k. 
Never forget a gentleman in our, in our church grabbed me at the YMCA and said, hey, I got a, I got a vision. I got a dream of something. I said, let's, 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 let's have a, a free garage sale for people in our community. People are longing. They're needy. And, and let's just have a free garage sale. What do you think about it? I said, man, that's a great idea. I said, go for it. He looked at me like, what? You're, you're, you're the paid staff. You're supposed to do that. And I said, no, no, no. God gave you the dream and the vision, and I want you to go for it. We set up all over the town square. It was, had computers and and washers and dryers and plates and things like that, and we just bless people. A church for the city, community involvement. We're gonna continue this, these next 12 months to be relentless when it comes to being involved in our communities. That's what I love about our small groups ministry because our small groups ministry is built, this is one of their pillars. It's not just to gather for fellowship and share food together and get in the word of God and pray with one another and, and, and you know, watch John B. Christ videos, the comedian, but, but, but we also are going to be involved in our community. We're going to dream of ways that God wants to use us as a group of 12 to 14 to, to influence our communities with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, church was never meant to be a place where people just gather for religious ceremonies. Neither was church ever designed to be a country club where the members were just content with maintaining the status quo. Church should be a dynamic place where, where, where people encounter God, where people can grow closer to him and then reach out to others. In short, do you know what the church is supposed to do? The church is, to, is on a mission to make authentic disciples of Jesus Christ who go out and influence their communities with the gospel of who he is. You see, when we leave this place today, we're to put Christ on display. We are to be a living representation as to who Jesus is. When people look at us, they should know us as this. Ah, oh, there's someone that's been with Jesus. Would you be known as that? Are you someone who is who is eat up with him. And when people see you, they get a clearer picture as to who Jesus is. You see, listen, no matter how many activities we offer at church, if our activities are not focused on, on drawing people in, then we're not on a mission that God wants us to be on. Luke 19.10, the purpose of Jesus, for the Son of Man came to find and restore Jesus came looking for people that were hurting, that were hopeless, that were down and out, people that had been written off by society. He came looking. It was the game of hide, and I'm seeking after you. I'm going to find you. He found people. He brought them and restored them to this relationship with the Father. That's what the church is all about. Listen, we exist for people that are hurting and broken, people that don't have it all figured out. Aren't you with me? Listen, it's not the healthy that need a doctor. It's the, it's the sick. I love sick people. I love people who don't have it together. That's why we're here. If we all had it together, I wouldn't have a job. I'm so glad that you guys are broken and flawed and jacked up. I get to come back. I get to work on Labor Day. That's why the church exists. We're here for those who are hurting. It's time for us. If you'll just hang in there with me today, I want to get you to start thinking a little bit differently about this thing called church. 
It's time that we understand that the effectiveness of church is not measured by what happens inside, but rather the impact the people of this church will have in their communities. You see, it's time for us to to engage our communities with the truth and grace, the good news and good deeds of the gospel of Jesus Christ. See, God has placed us where you live. Fair Oaks Ranch or Leon Springs, San Antonio, Helotus. Bulverde, Bergheim, Comfort, Kendalia, Fredericksburg, Kerrville, Bernie, Pipe Creek, Bandera. Where you at, Bulldog Nation? Anybody from Bandera here? Come on. It's all right. We're growing. We're going to take over. We're going to take over. Wherever you come from, God has planted you there to be a representative of who he is. So today, we want to start thinking about this thing called community involvement. We, 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 I want to help you begin to think about thinking differently, being externally focused, one, one that takes what we do in here outside this box and lives it out in our community. I, I, I read this passage just a few days ago in the book of James as I was reading through the word of God, and, and this verse has always messed me up, and it did it once again. James chapter one, verse 27 says this, pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. This verse, I believe, serves as a call for us as the body of Christ, the church, to think differently, to think externally. Now, listen, the opposite of external thinking is what type of thinking? Internal, the opposite of external, say it with me, is is internal, right? You tracking with me? Now listen, I, I don't know of any church that would claim to be internally focused, but I believe that they do exist. You see, internally focused churches concentrate on getting people into the church and, and then generating a lot of activity within the church. They may create powerful worship experiences and excel in teaching They may have off-the-chain student and kids programs, and and they may even have a vibrant small groups ministry. But but, but at the end of the day, what is measured in those internally focused churches is the number of people and the activities within the church. And what they do is is vital, but but, but I believe it's not sufficient for building a, a healthy church. Worship and, and, and teaching and personal devotions. Listen, all those things are necessary. We, we, we work hard to have student and kids programs that are off the charts, right? Parents, aren't you thankful for great kids ministries and student ministries here at 1910 Church, right? You, 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 you've heard me say that I had a drug problem when I was growing up. My parents drugged me to church, and, and, and we've tried to create an environment where where kids are literally dragging their parents. Mom and dad, it's Sunday. Can we get up and go to, go to church? Is that not awesome? And we work hard at all those things. But listen, we, 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 we understand that, 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 if, that, that that's not the end all, that all of our, our, our financial resources and human resources are not to be expended inside the walls of the four, church, uh, the four walls of, of the church. But, but no matter how spiritual things are within this house, if we're not taking what God is doing in here, out there, we're not healthy. We're, 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 we're missing it. Am I talking to anybody today? Uh, even in our music, aren't you thankful for the music of this house? I mean, I, I, 
You know, what, what, what we're discovering, what I've discovered over 12 years, the last 12 years in particular, is that, that what we just did for about 35 minutes, that's not warm up for the message. See, I grew up in a church where, where you sang three songs, you passed a flying saucer, people put a few coins in it, and then there was always the special music before the preacher preached, as if what we had done was not special. That was the non-special segment of the service, but there was the special music, and the choir would stand and sing a big anthem, and I loved it, or, or the worship pastor would sing a song, or somebody's niece that flew in from New Jersey for Labor Day, they would let her sing or something. And, and that was just the warm-up for the, for the message. Not here in this house. It's not warm-up. And as great as, but listen, we gotta be careful. As great as our music might be, if, 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 what, if it doesn't produce a change in us where we go and live differently as a result of it, it's hollow and we're missing out. Listen, we want you to be encouraged and edified. When we sing, we want you to be drawn into the presence of God. We want chains to be broken, even through our singing. But listen, we want that to change you in such a way that you live differently when you leave here. Are you with me there? Externally focused. You know, we're not the first ones. I don't think that that, that church today is is abnormal. We're, We're not the first ones in all of history that that kind of dealt with this tendency to maybe just look inward. Um, I, I, I'm reminded in reading through, through the book of Isaiah that, that preceding the Babylonian captivity, Isaiah was sent by God as a prophet to speak to Israel because they had been become a little internally focused themselves. And so God sends this prophet Isaiah to speak to them and exhorting them to to move from from just participating in their their formal worship practices, but more importantly, living out their faith in their communities and for others to be able to experience that. I want to read to you what what God said through Isaiah beginning in in chapter 1, verse 13. I'm going to read from the message translation because I love just how direct it speaks. Listen to what Isaiah told Israel. Quit your worship charades. I, stand, I can't stand your trivial religious games, your monthly conferences, your weekly Sabbaths, your special meetings, 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 meetings. I can't stand one more. Meetings for this, meetings for that. I hate them. You've worn me out. I'm sick of your religion, 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 while you go right on sinning. When you put on your next prayer performance, I'll be looking the other way. No matter how long, no matter how loud or often you pray, I will not be listening. And do you know why? Because you've been tearing people to pieces and your hands are bloody. Go home, wash up, clean up your act, sweep your lives clean of your evil doings so that I don't have to look at them any longer. Say no to wrong, learn to do good, work for justice, help the down and out, stand up for the homeless, go to bat for the defenseless. If you were to continue to read throughout the book of Isaiah, this prophetic book exposes the inadequacy of the faith of the people who who focus on loving God, but they forget on loving their fellow man. Are you with me there? 
They had become so good about gathering together and having these worship experiences to, to the T. Every I dotted, it was exactly what, but what they were doing was forgetting that those experiences should have driven them to a relentless pursuit and love of people around them. And so what you find is Isaiah calling out the people. He even called them out for participating in, in those times of fasting and prayer. Why? Because they had a lack of concern for loving others. Hey, church, listen to me. Don't miss this. We have got to be a church that engages the community with good works and the good news of Jesus if we are going to be healthy. We, 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 we must look for ways to be useful to our communities, to be a part of fulfilling people's hopes and dreams. We need to build bridges in our communities instead of walls around them. We're not going to shout at the dirty streams that we see flowing through our cities, but yet we're going to jump in the water and we're going to begin to clean them up. You see, externally focused churches determine their effectiveness, not only by the internal measures such as attendance and worship and, and how many teaching classes and small groups we offer, but externally focused churches, they look at external measures like the spiritual and societal effects that they are having on the communities around them. Let me ask you a question. Who's different because of the, your, the way you live out your faith in your community? Your peer group different? Students, are your friendships different? Are you a better worker at your job? Are you a better friend to your neighbor? You see, those are the things that we ought to be measuring. How are we making a spiritual or societal difference in our community around us. You see, externally focused churches, they don't just measure what can be counted, but they measure the impact that they're having outside this box. <laughs> are you with me? See, those are the churches that change the world. And that's the kind of church I want to be a part of. A church that's a blessing City. So in other words, real quickly today, I want to share with you a, a, a couple of groups that I believe that we should be focusing our energy on. Because I know what you're thinking, okay, well, as I think about my community, well, can you give me some, a little bit of help as to how can I begin to think externally? Who should I be thinking towards and thinking about? I'm glad you've asked that because I have an answer. First group that I believe that every one of us should, should, should focus our energy on are, are what I would call those that are on the margins, you know, God has a, a special place in his heart for, for those that are on the margins of society. And, and he has a plan for his people in order to minister to broken people. When you read scripture, I made the mistake earlier today saying if you read scripture. No, when you read scripture, you're, you're going to find nearly 400 biblical passages demonstrating God's concern for orphans and widows, prisoners, aliens, homeless people, the poor, people in our culture that are hungry and sick, even people that are disabled. In fact, look what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 10. It says, he ensures that orphans and widows receive justice. He shows love to the foreigners living among you and gives them food and clothing. So you too 
must show love to foreigners. For you yourselves were once foreigners in the land of Egypt. (laughs) When you read just a a few chapters later in Deuteronomy chapter 14, you're going to find that God also makes special provisions for people through, through special offerings that are to be given for those people that are living on the edges of our society. Chapter 14, verse 28, at the end of every third year, bring the entire tithe of that year's harvest and store it in the nearest town. Give it to the Levites who will receive no allotment of land among you, as well as to the foreigners living among you, the orphans and the widows in your towns, so that they can eat and be satisfied. Then the Lord your God will bless you in all your work. You, 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 you could read in, in, in the next chapter, Deuteronomy chapter 15, and you're going to find that God asks us to open our hearts up. God wants us to be generous with what we have. Verse 10 says to give generously to the poor, not grudgingly, for the Lord your God will bless you in everything you do. Then look what he says in verse 11. There will always be some in the land who are poor. That is why I'm commanding you to share freely with the poor and with other Israelites in need. Hey, listen, are you beginning to see something here? God cares for everyone who is made in his image. And check this out, church. He wants us to do the same. Did you catch that? God cares for everyone made in his image. And he wants us as the church to do the same. The homeless, the incarcerated, the widows, the orphans, the immigrants. Those are people that generally lack a social support system. But as the largest social support system in the United States of America, we as the church possess incredible potential to expand the kingdom greatly by simply coming alongside people in our society on the margins. Are you with me? Just stepping up. If we as a church would unite across our nation, man, those those programs and and, and, and the efforts that our government were focused on and so much of of our government dollars go towards, it, it would not be needed. It wouldn't be needed. Because the body of Christ would be living out and doing exactly what God is calling us to do. Now listen, I know not everyone is called to move into the inner city to become a minister there. But can I tell you something? Everyone is called to have a heart for hurting people. I'm not asking you to move into the inner city somewhere. But I think God is saying, hey, wake up, church. I have a heart for hurting people. And I want you to have a heart as well for them. So let me ask you a question this morning. Are there people in this community that need an extra dose of God's mercy? Let let me ask you, do do, do you know people in in, in our community that are hurting and broken, that, that, that may be going unnoticed or uncared for? I love what Pastor Erwin McManus, who pastors Mosaic Church in in L.A., said. He said this, that the church offers community to those who do not have community. That's why we're here. That's why we open the doors. That's why we open the front gate and let people in, because we know that there are people. This church was started for people who had no spiritual home. 
We wanted to be that for them. We wanted to present the gospel in a creative, relevant way that made sense. We wanted to give people opportunities to encounter the presence of God when they showed up because we believe it's the presence of God that changes people, not preaching. It's the presence. That's why we work hard on creating atmospheres and environments for you to come face to face with the Father. See, Scripture says in Psalm chapter 68, God places the lonely in families. Listen, are you willing to offer community to those who have no community? Would you be willing? I love Pastor Chacha's testimony this morning. Would you be willing to be family to those who have no families? Would you be willing to do that? Now, there's a second group real quick. I told you there were two. Let me get to it because we're, we're, we're getting close to the end of time. And at any moment, the keyboard player's coming out here, right? Just hang on. Give me a few more minutes, Rudy. There's another group that I believe that we as a church are to focus our energies on as well. Are you sitting down? Are you ready for this? Now, you need to hang in here with me on this one. I believe that the church is also to focus our energies on our city. Now, I'm going to make a statement here, and I want you to hear my heart. We must move past being angry with the city to wanting to be a blessing to the city. We must move past being angry with the city to wanting to be a blessing to the city. Now, we live in a day and an age where much has been written about, quote, taking back our cities for God. But, but really, much of this testosterone-driven language that reinforces the idea, it's, it's, it's being at war with the city is what they're talking about. Do, do, let me ask you a question. Do, do, do you think burning buildings and turning over vehicles and rioting and looting, do, do, do you think that that's God's plan for our cities? Burning couches, tearing down street posts and lights. And do, do, do you find that that's God's heartbeat for our nation? I'm telling you, that is not the language of Jesus. Can I, can I prove it to you? I know that probably most of us have a verse from the book of Jeremiah chapter 29 memorized. It's verse what? 11. Some of y'all have been to Hobby Lobby and you've bought this verse on a piece of imitation wood and you've got it hanging in your house somewhere, right? We all know what Jeremiah 29 verse 11 says. It's one of those pretty verses in the Bible for us. Let's read it together. Can we get that on the screen? Let's read it out loud. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. Round of applause. How many of you have heard this verse before? You love it? It's good. Doesn't it feel good? It's the kind of verse that everyone likes to hear, but, but have you ever gone back to the beginning of this passage to really understand what that verse is speaking to? I'm about to shatter some of your hopes and dreams. But this is really a message from God to those that 
that Nebuchadnezzar, King Nebuchadnezzar had, had carried into exile from the great city, the holy city of Jerusalem. And they not, now find themselves as exiles and foreigners in Babylon. The, the, the Israelites, the chosen people of God, possessing the promised land. They, they now, now find themselves in Jeremiah chapter 29. They, they find themselves as captive people living in foreign lands. In fact, it's the land that you and I now know as Iraq. And God is advising them in, in Jeremiah chapter 29. He's, 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 he's advising them how to live, check this out, as, as strangers and aliens. And, and he tells them in Jeremiah 29, he tells them to join in the life and the rhythms of the city. Now, now for me in Jeremiah chapter 29, the key verse in this message pertains to, to the relationship that the Israelites, who are now foreigners and aliens, verse seven pertains to the relationship that God wants them to have with the city. Have you ever read Jeremiah 29, verse seven? Anybody? Let me read it for you. Here's what it says. And work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. Are you kidding me? I'm in exile. I don't like what's going on in my city. I'm a foreigner. I'm an alien. They took what was mine. And, and God, you're telling me to pray for this godless pagan city. You're kidding me, right? Nope. <laughs> That's what God said. And, and, and so the believers were to do two things. They were to actively seek, actively seek peace and prosperity for the city. And, and the second thing God told them, I want you to, to pray for the city. And, and by the way, this was not just good medicine for, for, for Jeremiah to deliver, but this was also the way that Daniel and Nehemiah also gained favor in their cities as well. So are, are you seeing what, what, what God is saying here to us in relation to our cities? We should look for ways to seek and promote the welfare of the city. Are you looking for ways to make this city better? I'm just wondering what might happen if, if, if we just spent a tenth a tithe of the same effort and energy being frustrated and put off with, with what's going What would happen if we just got on our knees and began to pray for leadership that, that have been elected to lead? And I know that I'm not trying to be political here, but, but I'm just saying that they're, they're voted into office. And, and, and I do know what scripture says also about what our response should be to elected officials. I, I do know that. And, and I guess, anyway, I, I could go on. You know. Just know that, that, that God is speaking to children of Israel and they find themselves as aliens. What, what was rightfully theirs has been taken from them. And he's saying, hey guys, listen, I'm not calling you to riot. I'm not calling you to, to turn over cars and burn the buildings. I'm not calling you for assassination plots. I'm calling you to, to pray for and I'm calling you to seek the best for your community. And did, did you see what he says? He said, 
Its welfare will determine your welfare. And and I love also what he says. He says, pray for that peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. Just wondering what might happen. Can, Can you imagine how different our community would be if every follower of Christ would would begin loving and serving others in a meaningful way. Can, can, can you imagine the difference that might come whenever we begin looking for those who are on the margins of our society, those that others have written off and labeled as this, this, or that? By the way, students, just a heads up, not this Wednesday, but the next, I'm gonna be speaking at high school ministry, and I want you to come. Pastor Chase, this is a selfless plug here for me. But, but, but I want to be talking about what your identity is. Because you see, culture identifies you guys and other people as this, 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 and this. But do you know what God identifies us as? Mm-hmm. My most prized creation. I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. You are for me. You're not against me. I am who you say I am. Can we begin to see people around us as people loved by God? People who he gave his very life for, Nick. Can we see them as that? Yeah, people get sideways and make mistakes, but can we still see them as someone who God shed his son's blood for? Find them and restore them. Can we begin to pray for our city? Can can, can we begin to to, to look for ways to promote peace and prosperity? Listen, don't do it because I said so. Do it because that's the word of God. That's what the Bible says. Seek the peace and prosperity. Stand with me today if you would. Mm. Ministry team's gonna come and as they're coming, I just wanna remind us That effectiveness is not measured by what happens inside the church. But our effectiveness rather will be measured by the impact that the people within this church have on their communities. Are you ready? Because here's what's about to happen. I got a 30 second prayer that I'm about to pray. And then you're going to have an opportunity to leave this box and go put Jesus on display. So Lord, that's my prayer for everyone in this house right now, that we would understand that you're sending us out. This has been the pep rally, but now you are sending us out into the, onto the playing field. And God, I pray that we would understand that we are going in the power and strength of an almighty God in heaven whose Holy Spirit lives within us. And you've given us these words. Do not be terrified. Do not be afraid. Be strong and courageous. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. God, I pray that this week we would be relentless in our pursuit of those on the margins of our society. God, I pray that this week we would be relentless in our seeking peace 
and prosperity and praying for our city. Not so that we can toot our horn and others will look at us and say, oh, you're, you're a great individual. No, no, no. That we will do what it says in Ephesians 3, 21. To him be all glory and honor and praise in the church and forevermore. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen. Thank you guys. Now go live it out.